Y'all know my wife can cook. Y'all also know that I cannot cook. Therefore, I'm excited that the Human Hope Podcast is partnering with Green Chef. Green Chef is not just any meal kit company. They're the most sustainable meal kit company on planet Earth, which means they love the Earth and they take care of the Earth while they do what they do. It's also convenient and easy. Listen, when Heather goes out of town, I got Green Chef to help me out. When Heather and I go out of town, Green Chef can help the teenagers out. And they, you know, they, they'll, they'll cater to whatever your diet is, okay? They've got uh, gluten-free versions. They've got keto versions. They've got a Mediterranean version. Whatever it is you want, your palate needs, Green Chef is going to be here for you. And I'm just excited that we get to partner with them and that you get $130 off. So this is how you do that. Go to greenchef.com slash humanhope130. And use the code HUMANHOPE130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. One more time. Go to greenchef.com slash HUMANHOPE130, the number 130, and use the code HUMANHOPE130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. We back. That is right. We are back. What is going on, Human Hope Podcast listeners? It is your host, Carlos Enrique Whitaker Guzman Archibald Cabello, or Los for short. And I can't believe we're back at it. It's been too long. Welcome to 2022. Now, it actually has been 2022 for 20 days already, but not with us, right? Like, we've had some weeks off. We had like a month off, and I've missed you. I've missed doing these things. I've been, I miss getting in my basement. I miss having conversations. I miss hearing your feedback. I miss talking into a microphone with nobody else around me. I miss all the things. But what I don't miss, what I absolutely do not miss is sleep. What what do I mean by that? Well, I'm not sleeping a lot these days, but I don't miss it. Why? Well, listen, no, Heather did not have another baby. Okay. We don't, we weren't keeping things from you, but I got a puppy. And although I am exhausted, although I am so, so tired, you know, that puppy, that cuteness, like all it takes is like two cute moments a day, which will completely overtake the lack of sleep that I'm getting. I've been sleeping on the sofa for two and a half weeks, for three weeks. I'm finally starting to sneak back into my bed because the dog is 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 taking at least four and a half hours before it has to go out. It's just, it's so good. If you if you don't know what I'm talking about, head back to my Instagram and see the the story with our new puppy Hawk. I actually bought a dog without telling my wife or my kids. <laughs> yes, and it is all the drama that you think it is. So go check it out. I will leave the rest up to you and your imagination. Um, But 2021 ended with a bang with that. And 2022 is starting off with a bang as well, because we're finally hopping back into the Human Hope podcast. And I've learned some things from you guys. I've learned some things. Uh, One of the things that I know a lot of you want, and we're going to start doing that, is to get kind of right in, to jump right in. Y'all know me. I love to talk, right? Like I talk all day long at my phone. Like I I just love to talk. You guys want to get in to the subject matter. Now, sometimes the subject matter on the Humo podcast is going to be me. It's going to be me talking to you, right? We ended the year last year with one of those episodes and you guys love that episode. You downloaded it thousands and thousands of times. You shared it. But what I do want to make sure I do is listen to more feedback you guys are giving to make this show exactly what you guys want. We have an incredible episode that I think is going to line you up and align your heart with what you need this year. I, I mean, quite honestly, this interview with my friend Donald, Donald Miller is, um, it, I think it's going to be very life shifting and altering for a lot of you. I, I think that maybe you've been, there, there's been a lot of you guys, I read a book called Moment Maker that are letting your life live you as opposed to you living your life. And what Don's conversation and his book, Hero on a Mission, can help you with is live your life as opposed to your life living you. And he's a great, great guide for us. Um, And I'm really excited for you guys to hear that conversation, but I do want a little bit of housekeeping before we hop in there. Now, I am going to, this year in 2022 with the Human Hope Podcast, start, start some different things. Um, and start trying some different things. Again, the goal of this podcast is to give you guys hope. I love interviews with my friend Don, right? Like I love all the interviews that I've done, but I'm, I think I'm going to do less of those types of interviews in 2022 and possibly do some more interviews with people that you've maybe never heard of. I mean, would you guys like that? 
But let me know on Instagram, DM me, let me know, uh, because I know that there's people with hope-filled stories out there that nobody's ever heard of. So honestly, if you wouldn't mind, if you if you know of somebody that you're like, this story, nobody knows this story. This story is amazing. It's so hope-filled. I wish somebody could hear this story. Now, when I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like stories, you know, I mean, let, let's, let's think of one, for example, right? Like, like my, we, we did the fundraiser for Melody. Nobody had ever heard of Melody before, but her strength gave so many people hope. She lost her husband and her newborn baby within a week of each other. And she still charged towards hope. And we told her story. And her story gave so many people hope. I'm looking for stories that are going to give people hope. Um, story of human resiliency. S- story of, of humans that maybe aren't even to the top of the resilient mountain yet. Maybe they're still in the valley, but they have hope that they can get there. You know, I've been following this girl on Instagram named Brooklyn. Brooklyn Salisbury. Her Instagram handle is Brooklyn underscore speaks. And her her bio literally says, follow my journey from hospice to heaven. She is dying and leaving this earth. Um, I, I think she may be in her late 20s or 30s, early 30s. And we're watching her. She's an incredible writer, truly gifted. Um, and, and I'm watching her post every other day or so as she's stopping her medicine because she's got a disease that's um, slowly killing her. And she is going into hospice and she's taking her on the journey. Now, that that's a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people, especially Americans, uh, to face. But she is actually giving me and so many thousands of other people so much hope when it comes to what is next. I mean, literally her post, um, she's so funny, but but her post is, all of her posts are funny, witty, thought-provoking, and, and filled with hope. You know, she says, um, am I scared to die? Waking up in the trauma bay of my local hospital in September, I'd made it through another bout of anaphylaxis. I snapped this photo while waiting for a room. I've taken many licks at death as if mortality is a melting ice cream cone, though not as sweet, definitely not served from a musical truck. People keep asking if I'm scared to die. Yes and no. Honestly, I'm dreading the process. Dying isn't comfortable. That's why Jesus came to do it for us. Not because it's uncomfortable, but because death and hell are a reality for the body and soul of the unbeliever. She gives scripture. Jesus came so that those who repent, confess, and believe in him can receive eternal life. Then she gives scripture. She says, because I'm a follower of Christ, I'm not scared when it comes to the transition. I know exactly where I'll be in the glorious presence of God. I do have a healthy fear and respect of standing before him. When the prophet Isaiah stood before God, he exclaimed, woe is me for I am lost for I am a man of unclean lips. She goes to talk about just how, how she, she loves um, and she respects and she has this fear of God, yet she's not scared to die. She's not looking forward. She says, I'm not looking forward to the process. Death ice cream tastes like rancid. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, she, she's filled with, still she's filled with such humor and hope, but I'm excited there's no aftertaste where I'm going. I am healthily intimidated by the might of the all-powerful creator, yet I know I'm covered by the blood of the lamb and will enter pleasures forevermore at his right hand. So listen, I'm letting you know that there, I know that there are so many people that we have never heard of. I think she she only had a couple hundred followers a couple of weeks ago before one of her posts went viral. Uh, and now she's giving hope in the midst of her transition from hospice to heaven. So what I'm saying is this, I know there's so many stories of hope that so many people have never heard of. And I want you, the Human Hope listeners, to let me know if you've got one. How can you let me know? Head to an email, carlos at carloswhitaker.com. Whitaker with two T's, carlos at carloswhitaker.com. And I would love, love, love to start diving into and finding some stories nobody's ever heard of. That's what I want to do. Okay, but this is a story Many of you have heard of Don Miller. Donald Miller is, honestly, he is one of the main reasons I'm an author. I was a fan before I was a friend. Luckily, Don invited me to on a trip about a decade ago. We became fast friends, and he has been helping me on my journey ever since. Now, what Don has zeroed in on, it, this is, I can't, there's not a better episode to start with the year with when it comes to human hope. 
And, and honestly, what I just talked about with Brooklyn, he, Don talks about how we need to write our obituary um, and our eulogy and work backwards from that point. So like, what is it you want people to say when you're gone? And then you build your life based on that. Guys, there's such good stuff here. I want you, this is one of those podcasts you're gonna need a pen and you're gonna need to take a lot of notes because I believe that this conversation can set you up to have the greatest year you've had in a long, long time. Friends, please welcome my friend, Donald Miller. All right, amigos, we are with my, I can, I'm going to say long time. One of my yeah, longer, we, are, we go, what do you say? 10, 10 years is a long friend and we go back at least 15, right? I, I think so. Um, almost half our lives. Almost. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, the more I think about it, Don, the more, I mean, I've got a lot more gray in my face than the last time you even saw me, which uh, I may have been a year yeah. ago. Who knows? I'm, I've got less hair on the top of my head. <laughs> you know how I divide up how long we've got left? Tell me. Chocolate Labs. Oh, no. How many chocolate labs do you have left? And I'm now down to two. No. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Wait, how long does a chocolate lab live? 10 to 12 on average. Mine went 14. Okay, why would you only have two? I mean, why, I'm 50. I, so? So 80. Okay. The average lifespan is 78.5. Okay. For a male in America. A male in America. Now, your children will live to be 100. Okay. Because that's it's all expanding. But you and I, unfortunately... So have about two chocolate labs. You're a lot healthier than me. You've got two and a half chocolate labs. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I, you have I'm, 37 goldfish left. I've got 37 goldfish. <laughs> well, I mean, what a what a uh, a fun way to start the podcast. <laughs> how many chocolate? Let me ask your listeners. How many chocolate labs? How do you many have chocolate left? labs do you have left? <laughs> now, speaking of chocolate labs, mm-hmm. you, Lucy? Yeah. Yeah. She passed on Saturday. This Saturday? Yeah. This Three, last Saturday? Uh, whatever. Five days ago. <sighs> Are you kidding me? Uh-uh. I would I would not have even brought Lucy up right now had uh-huh. I even known that. Oh no 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 that's okay. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, I was just going to tell you how how like endearing Lucy has always been. How I know, she, like she's just been the best dog. She's gotten a lot of writing. They've done a lot of writing about Lucy. Wow. But she did. She passed on Saturday. It'll probably be another year before I'll be able to write about it. Yeah. But interestingly enough, you know the idea of. That life is short. Yeah. I think it's one of the reasons, one of the things that our pets teach us mm. is to begin processing the idea that you're not here forever. And and all that comes with that. Right. We, we don't, we don't, um, we don't think about that. Mm-mm. People don't, at least maybe in America. I mean, I don't know how if people think about that more in other countries, but I know we don't. Why? Well, I you know, I mean, I can only Stagger to guess, but yeah. I, I think one, we can't get our heads around it. Yeah. And Americans especially do not like to engage ideas that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And if there are ideas that they have to engage, like religion, theology, stuff like that, they'll they'll migrate to the simplest possible answer and believe it. Yeah. In order to feel comfort in their brain rather than to rather than to actually acknowledge that this is actually a lot bigger yeah so for you know i mean death for a lot of people is terrifying and to some some days it's terrifying for me just because we sure. really don't know what happens on the other side of yeah. this thing you know even if you're a, a christian i know a lot, some of your listeners are yeah there's still not a lot of oh data. There's, not, there's not a lot of data <laughs> to work with you know like <laughs> we don't know yeah and um you know so even letting lucy go was yeah. you know you just go i mean here's a great thing carlos I'm, you know the vet comes over to the house she had a pretty big size tumor yeah it was you know the vet said look it's gonna go malignant she will not survive they, they live between 10 and 12 she lived 14 and yeah a half. oh yeah so you know she, it's gonna go malignant it's gonna get into her lungs this is the last uh you know she's already in pain but this yep. is the last. The pain's not going to be really, really bad. You, you need, you know, they talked. They said you need to do this now. Wow. So I'm sitting there, and we're we're administering. It's very, it's a very wonderful process. The service that we that came to the house mm-hmm. to do it, and like a little kid, Carlos, she's like, "Do you have any questions? Here's where I'm gonna go." And I literally, I didn't ask it, but on the tip of my tongue, is like, "Where will she go? Yeah, sure. <laughs> where will she go? Yeah, because for 14 and a half years, it's been my job." Yeah. To know where this dog is, yeah. know whether she's used the bathroom, know yeah. whether she's eaten. Yeah. Wow. And who's gonna who's gonna take care of her until I can get there? Yeah. And um, so 
I think that's just, those are just two big things for me though. The gift of actually processing my own death and Mm -hmm. numbering my days has been, it's the one tool that I've ever come across that has helped me be present in the here and now. So, so by, by knowing that we have a shelf life here Mm -hmm. and by, by looking at that, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how often you look at it, but, but you look at, I look that. at it every morning. Oh, you do. I, I, I wrote my eulogy and I read it every morning. I read it this morning. You, you read your eulogy. Five out of seven morning. days. I read my eulogy as part okay. of my morning ritual. Why? For the reasons that I'm sharing. Yeah. One, it, it helps me number my days. So it gives me a sense of urgency yep. about the things that I want to accomplish. Yeah. It helps serve as a filter about things that realistically I can't do. Right. You know, now I'm 50, there's starting to be things, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. Sure. So will you get on a plane and come, you know, do this thing? Yeah. Actually, my eulogy is not heading me in that direction. So, <laughs> right. no, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do it. Otherwise, my story is going to get really muddled. Mm. And then, um, the, you know, two other benefits. One is generosity. Yeah. Because you realize you can't take any of this stuff with you. So it's helped me rationally become more generous. And then the other thing is uh it serves me in so many ways the other thing is you realize you you're never going to get this time back yeah so this moment that you're getting to spend with with your daughter I, i'm 50 but we Bessie and i had a baby recently yeah and um so she's six months old so i you know it has been absolute non-negotiable that 7 a.m every morning i'm sitting down to write and i write for two hours okay until the baby came along yeah and then i realized <laughs> wait i'm gonna wake her up i get the chance to wake her up change her diaper get her bottle spend the first hour from seven to eight and it was just so easy to give up writing because yeah. i realized you're not gonna be here yeah very long you know she she's got me for 30 years yeah yeah and that's it yeah you know unless i pass sure. 80 which is not the average so um I feel a sense of of presence when I'm with her that feels a little bit timeless. Yeah. And I don't think I would have entered into that if I thought I had, if I wrongly thought I had forever. Right. You know, and then the other part of processing your own death and writing your own eulogy is, um, gosh, I, be, I guess the, the big one really is this, this realization that it's not about, that this story, this epic story mm. of the universe is not about you. Yeah. Which takes an enormous amount of the pressure off. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot. There's a, there's a downside to it. And the downside is it's sad. Mm-hmm. You know, you just carry a little mm-hmm. twinge of sadness yeah. with you at all times and you get to be present and there's a sense of urgency and you have a filter with which to say no and you're more generous. Yeah. And, you know, the upside to it is really high. Yeah. Where, where did this come from? Where, where did this idea of, um, I'm, I'm going to write my eulogy. I'm going to read it. It's going to be part of my daily routine. Like, did you... Did someone else do that? Is yeah, that, yeah. Is Stephen that, Covey. Stephen okay. Covey has the the exercise in Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Okay, he got it from somebody else. I, I don't know who he got it from, but yeah. somebody told me he got it from somebody else. So it's why it's it's part of a life plan process. Okay. Yeah. And in my book, there's a life plan process, and the the foundation of it is your is write your eulogy. Yeah. And um, and actually in the book there are there are three chapters on death. Hmm. I couldn't get it into one chapter. Wow. This is like, there's so much to talk about here. Yeah. And there's so much richness <clears throat> and wisdom and perspective that we're all looking for yeah. on the other side of actually sitting down and realizing this is what the end, this is what I want the end of my story to look like uh-huh. and then reverse engineering it from there. It's an old screenwriter trick. Okay. You know, like if you're writing a movie, you would start with a climactic scene. You would start with, you know, I want it to end with a wedding. In order to make that wedding meaningful, mm-hmm. how can I reverse engineer a story? Oh, you know what? They they meet in a coffee shop and they clearly have the most amazing chemistry ever. Yeah. And she realizes, I can't do that. I can't sit here and talk to this guy because we're hitting it off. And she just says, look, I'm so sorry. I'm actually engaged. Yeah. And I'm feeling really awkward. Right now. I need to go. And she runs and, and he never gets her number. He never gets, but then he shows up that night at the family dinner and it's literally his jerk brother's fiance. Oh. <laughs> That's how you make that wedding meaningful right, right. at the end, because right. now he's got to overcome all this. Yeah. So the idea behind, you know, your life is write that eulogy. Here's what I want people at my funeral saying. Yeah. And then you actually start living in such a way that you can try to get there. Wow. That's, 
That's so good. Well, your, your book you're talking about is here on a mission and um, a path to a meaningful life. And I mean, talk about just a, an impactful statement just right there. Yeah. A path to a meaningful life. I mean, there's a pain point that I feel like everybody wants everybody, at least that I know wants, wants not only a life, but their days to be meaningful. Right. And so like, you know, I look at my, I look at my kids and we were talking about this before we started recording. I've got a 19 year old sophomore in high school. I got a 18 year old senior in high school, excuse me, sophomore in college, senior in high school. And then I got a 15, almost 16 year old son. Um, and you know, the, the friend of mine, Reggie Joyner, um, has this thing when I, when my kids were little, you, you, you get a jar of marbles and I used to think it was the most depressing idea ever. Mm-hmm. And you put in the amount of marbles as to how many weekends your kids have from birth until they graduate. And so it's just a, and I can't remember what the number is, but it's not a lot. Like you, you would think, Oh, there's going to be thousands of marbles in this. Right. Well, there's not a lot. And so every week you just take a marble out. And we, we were doing this as, as parents. And I just remember when Sohela was like seven, just seven. Yeah. The jar was halfway empty. Wow. And what a great, amazing exercise. And it, that, that's all I needed. A visual I, tool. I, I, I didn't even, I need to take another marble out for any other kids. I didn't, I, I just realized at, at seven or eight, you're like, oh, this, there's seven or eight. Like I've got forever. No, like, like, and so it made me a lot more intentional. So now as they, I probably have, I don't know, maybe 15 marbles left with Sohela. Wow. You know? And so like, it, it is making me start to think about the value of every single day, every single moment. Um, and, and your book here on a mission, I think um, the purpose is, sorry, there's a gnat flying around me, is to help us get to that point where a meaningful life um, can actually happen on a daily basis. This isn't- Right. This, this isn't is an experience of meaning. Right, right. So, so it's not like a meaningful life. Like we're just, okay, like I just want to go through these- hoops that Don's going to get me to jump through. Right. And then maybe at my eulogy, someone's going to, and it's going to be meaningful. No, you're actually saying that we can feel the meaning in the moment. I'm saying that's all you can have. Yeah. Okay. Which is a very, it's a bit of a controversial thing to say, but I think you can only experience meaning. I don't think you can know what it is. Wow. So, um, and that's a pretty controversial thing. The, The book is based on a number of of people who've served as sort of guys for me who I never knew. Yeah. But Victor Frankel out of Vienna, he was a, a psychologist in the 30s and 40s. Uh, and then Joseph Campbell, both of these men have passed away, uh, who wrote about the hero's journey and a bunch of other folks. But um, Victor Frankel basically said, uh, if you want to experience meaning in life, which for me feels like a sense of purpose and feels like I've got narrative traction in my life. That is, I'm interested in my own story and I'm eager to wake up every day and put a little something on the plot. He said, if you want to do that, you have to have three things. A project that occupies your time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need relationships that pull you outside of yourself. So you're not, you need to be forced somehow to be less self-absorbed. He also said walks in the woods and nature and appreciation of art would do the same thing. And then a redemptive perspective on your suffering. And what he meant by that is suffering is going to happen. Right. You need to accept it. And you need to understand that it also has a flip side that somehow benefits you, even though it's very, very painful. Yeah. He said, if you can, if you can navigate and include those three things in your life, you will experience a deep sense of meaning. Now, I discovered his work after a bike ride across the country uh, in a bookstore in Washington, D.C. We'd ridden our bikes okay. from Los Angeles to D.C. And I intuitively knew as we got closer to D.C. and we we ended up crossing Delaware the next day and walking into the ocean. I knew when we did that, it would be one of the greatest moments of my life. And about two days later, I'd probably be depressed. <laughs> I just knew it because I'd done it. I mean, you've done this. You know, you write a book, you're so excited. Oh, yeah. And then when you're done, you turn it in, you can't touch it anymore. It's a week of like, yeah. life feels meaningless. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you finished a great story and yeah. the credits rolled. And Viktor Frankl was the one who taught me, well, the reason this bike ride has been so meaningful is you had a project that you were working on. You had an ambition that you were trying to accomplish. You had relationships that you were building along the way. Yeah. You were suffering every day, but it was toward a purpose. You know, that was the most, that was still yep. one yep. of the most painful things I've ever done. And so you were living inside of the three things that he said would would create a sense of meaning. And then you stopped and huh. meaning went away. Wow. 
So he doesn't explain where meaning comes from. Uh He doesn't explain why it exists. He just explains how you can feel it. Wow. That's fascinating. It is fascinating. That is fascinating. And so I just thought, well, I'm going to live the rest of my life this way. So that was 10 or 12 years ago. When I finished riding across the country, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And so what I did was, well, we need another story. And so I ended up um, volunteering (laughs) as a surrogate speaker in this young senator's presidential campaign his name was barack obama i was a republican he was a democrat but he had he had worked to pass this piece of legislation for fatherless kids yeah nobody had ever done that before so i went and visited his people and said look i'm very curious as to why he did this and what and got to know them and realized you know you tackle the issue of fatherlessness and strong fathers in america you can tackle a lot of other issues yeah so i went out and served as a surrogate speaker for him well, what what can you tell? What does that mean? A surrogate speaker? I just went to all the swing states, okay. and would talk to groups of people about why I thought this this gentleman would be a good president. Got it. And um, yeah, I don't want to piss anybody off. I no longer <laughs> sure. consider myself a Republican or a Democrat. Sure, 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 they sure, both sure. I think are very disappointing yeah. where the where the oh, political completely. landscape is gone. But that's a whole um, other podcast. A whole other podcast. podcast. Yeah. Um, but what happened was I entered right back into the experience of meaning. And I started getting text messages from friends who, and they were going through depression and anxiety. Anybody who didn't start something else fell apart. And, uh, and, and they're I'm all, just they're just wonderful, amazing people, yeah. but they all experienced this temporary sense of like, this is really tough. And so, you know, I think a lot of us, what happens is we live a great story in high school and college. Maybe we start a family, start a marriage. And when that, when the cultural scripts that are handed to us uh-huh, end, uh-huh. we sit in the theater of our mind, the credits roll, and now we're watching a blank screen and yeah. we're saying life sucks. Well, yeah. it doesn't suck. Just your life sucks because yeah. you didn't do anything <laughs> to get a new story started. And what, so I, what I love about Viktor Frankl's work is it's theologically and philosophically agnostic. Mm-hmm. Unlike Nietzsche or Kierkegaard or to some degree, Alfred Adler or Sigmund Freud, he is not trying to explain what the meaning what is wrong with you or how to fix it he's literally just saying nobody can figure that out so if you live in such a way if you live this way you'll just enjoy life yeah wow (laughs) and i was like after years of studying theology i'm in because i didn't get any answers yeah yeah none well you know it's fascinating as you as you explain that and i and i just think back to even what a lot of the human hope listeners have been following along the last year of even my journey and, and how I, I feel like without, without maybe even knowing some of what you've said, but maybe tripping and stumbling upon it, it is, it is kind of what I do. Like I'm, I, it's a hundred percent what you do. It, 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 and, and Victor Frankel calls it logotherapy. It's a therapy of meaning. Yes. But when you actually talk about, killing the spider yeah. you're talking about having an obje- a, 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 a sort of objective yeah. that you're 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 basically inviting people into a story a story right. that when you that you lived when you talk about creating these beautiful moments yeah you know you, you and then you're just your general study of narrative and yeah. entering the family into a story and having a jar full of marbles all of that stuff enters you and your entire family into what I call narrative traction. Yeah. And narrative traction hap- is is the phenomenon of being interested in your own life. Yeah. But too many of us, I think, actually trust fate mm. to write our story for us. And I am of the opinion, controversial as it may be, yeah. that fate is neither for you nor against you. Okay. It's just the weather. Wow. And if you are trusting fate, you're literally trusting the weather uh-huh. to write your life and, and yeah. you're animating something that is largely inanimate and uh, uh, y- y- instead I think and he was well isn't God writing the story of Elizabeth? I would I would argue absolutely not huh. I would say no he, he is not he created life and he handed you a pen mm. yeah and it's totally your responsibility to make something out of this yeah which explains why so many people live awful lives and so many people live great lives yeah Athletic Greens has been a podcast sponsor for a hot second. And there's a reason. The reason why is because I literally do take Athletic Greens. My wife is an incredible cook. I talk about it all the time, but I can't always get her vegetables in my pie hole if I'm traveling. Sometimes, to be honest with you, I'll put a couple carrots to the side. But I know with Athletic Greens that I am getting so much good stuff. I'm getting over 70 
five high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods inside me whenever I take it. Now I travel. So I've got the little athletic greens travel packs. I literally, I just rip it open, pour it in a little glass of water and I drink it and it actually tastes good. It doesn't taste like I'm drinking vegetables. Okay. So Here's, here's the beautiful part. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs when you first purchase. That's exactly what I use. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash human hope. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash human hope. And you get to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. My girl, Annie F. Downs, is heading back out on tour. Now, if you don't know who Annie is, okay, I need to let you know. She's one of my dearest friends, but more than that, she's a New York Times bestselling author. She's an incredible writer. She's a podcast host of the That Sounds Fun podcast. She's an incredible podcast host. And more than anything, she's just a great human. And if you if you like my podcast, if you want to find more humans that are hope-filled, she is your girl. And she's heading out coast to coast next month. And I want you to be there with her. These nights are going to be filled with comedy, special guests, a podcast interview, giveaways, lots of confetti. She really loves her confetti and a lot more. Okay. The tour is going to be making stops in Atlanta, in Philly, in Seattle, in Denver. Can I say Philly? Do I have to say Philadelphia unless I live there? I don't know. But so many more cities and you don't want to miss it. So four tickets and to see the fullest of cities, please go to AnnieFDowns.com. That's right, AnnieFDowns.com for tickets and dates. And let her know that Carlitos sent you. You know, it's it's uh, they, that's this is what they're choosing to do. Or a community or a dictator in a in a in a nation can yeah. live an awful story and cause millions of people to suffer. Yeah. And you know, it's it is on us. Yeah. And I don't think we like that necessarily, but I think it's true. Well, it it's honest and I mean I'm gonna get specific for a second. So so the, the if I look at the demographics of the people that are listening to this podcast, it's like 79% 30 to 35 year old women that are many of them are stay at home moms, many of them are you know, um, living in middle America. And I get a lot of emails and DMs about, well, you know, I, I'm, you know, I got, I got three kids. We got the house, we got the pick a fence. We got the, you know, this and that. And, and even though they're not like to 50, like we are, Mm -hmm. or getting to like, oh my gosh, man, we've got two chocolate labs left. Right. Um, (laughs) they got three, (laughs) they got three. There's still, this isn't something that you just have to do when you're like entering in the afternoon of your, of your life. Oh God, no, it's something that's incredibly important to do from childhood on. Yes. So that, that's, that's kind of one of what I wanted to poke on. So the question that you want to ask is what, what story am I creating for my children? Yeah. Or, or, or is our corporations creating that story Mm. or is the education system creating that story or is my church creating that story or am I as a parent creating a story that my children can live into? Wow. And they will play whatever role they will become the role that you give them Yeah, in in that story. Yeah. And uh, you know, for us, you know, we live three miles down the road. We bought 15 acres and you know, I've been very blessed to be able to start a company that did well, having spent the first 30 years of my life making less than $15,000 a year. Yeah. You know, so we were able to build a house and an event space behind the house and now a guest house and we host events, you know, for fundraisers and things like that, that we've just started to do. And um, my daughter will grow up thinking that it's absolutely normal. Right for a family to serve as the wait staff in their backyard to yeah. people who are raising money for human trafficking. Wow. She will, to stop human trafficking. We, you know, she'll think that that's normal. Yeah. And she, she will think that it's normal to see something on television and say, that breaks my heart and to wake up the next day and grab a piece of paper and figure out a plan to do something about it. Mm-hmm. She will think that that's normal Yeah, because that's the life that her parents chose to live. Yeah. So I think, um, I think, a lot of us could sort of use that kind of awakening. So good. And it's basically accepting the unbelievable power and agency yeah. that God has given you. Yeah. And by the way, institutions, corporations, government, even churches to some degree, uh-huh. I think are incentivized to take away your agency. Huh. 
because they want the agency over sure. you. They want to dictate your story. Yeah. And I would say, you know, maybe, but be super careful with that. With yeah. Who you hand your agency to. Um, hero. Uh-huh. Let's talk about that word okay. for a second. Um, when I think of, you know, what a hero is, I, you know, in, in my head, I'm, I'm thinking of movies. I'm thinking yeah. of Marvel movies. I'm thinking yeah. of like, and I think, well, I don't know, Don, this book's called Hero on a Mission. Am I a hero? Like, am I, is that the goal? Like, am I supposed to become a hero? Is super supposed to be before the word hero is, you know, like, like, like what, yeah. what, uh, talk, talk to why us about how, why, why that word? Well, it came from all those years that I spent studying story in order to write books yeah. and in stories, stories are incredibly formulaic as you know, but, um, there are four major characters, the victim, the villain, the hero, and the God. Okay. The victim is the one who is hopeless and helpless. The villain is the one who's making others small. The hero is the one who accepts the challenge and transforms into a better version of themselves in order to overcome their challenge. Yep. And the guide is the one who has conquered many challenges and is now turning around to help other heroes win the day. Wow. The, the premise of the first chapter of the book is that the reason those four characters exist in story are because they actually exist in you. Hmm. That in you is a victim. All four of these. All four of them are in you at all times. So in you is a is a self-identity that sees itself as helpless, wow. in need of help, desperate. That probably comes from childhood identities because we are in fact victims when we are children. Sure. Um, then in you is also a heroic identity who is willing to tackle a challenge and make something new in this world mm-hmm. and transform in you. And this is terrifying <laughs> is a villain. Yeah. And the villain is, um, it, it diminishes others, gets jealous, seeks vengeance. Uh, that, that is in you. Wow. And in you also is a guide that says this life really isn't about me. It's about my kids or it's about mm. the listeners to this podcast and we all want to think that we are one of the four, but you are all four. I mean, that, that's, that's you are the all crazy four, thing. depending on whether you've eaten lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm serious. Every day I play the victim, the villain, the hero, and the guy every oh. single day. And the premise of the book is the more time you spend playing the victim and seeing yourself as a victim, the worse your story is going to be. Wow. Because you will not transform. You will suck the energy out of the room. Uh, you will not experience a sense of meaning. Mm. The more time, and and ultimately people will resent you because they're having to do so much work on your behalf. Yeah, yeah. Um, now there are real victims in the world, but they are they are actually helpless. Sure. And you and I are not exactly helpless. Right. And the most inspiring people to me are people who have all the bait and the temptation they need to see themselves as victims and they still don't. Wow. You know, you think about like Christopher Reeve and you think oh, yeah. about Michael J. Fox and yeah. you think about some of the people who have, you know, even been unfairly exploited. Yeah. I mean, Victor Frankl, who this book is based on, a, a book came out recently called Yes to Life. And it's, it's, it's a series of lectures that Victor Frankl delivered in the late forties. And the series of lectures attempt to, um, defend the idea that life is in fact beautiful and meaningful. It's one of the most beautiful little bitty books I've ever read. What's it? You, did it's you called, say it was, it's called Yes oh, to Life. Okay. It came out in, and it came out last year, and yet it's it, he died in 1996. Huh. That those lectures I was shocked to find out were delivered four months after he left the concentration camps, where he lost his wife, his child, his unborn child, and his mother and his father. Wow. And he's out there. Those are inspirational figures. So instead of identifying as a victim, he decided to identify as a hero. Yeah. Um, So, so uh, just to stop on that for a second, what I hear you saying is, um, yes, obviously there's many of us have, have been victimized even like we, we've been wrongly, wrongly, unjustly, unjustly. Um, But there are people that just stay in that state well, it, it, or what we want to do in every moment is yeah. actually just be self-aware enough to say, hey, you're doing that thing where you're acting like a victim. Yeah. Or, well, or, or, or in this situation, what would a hero do? Yeah. So if you are unjustly treated, a victim is going to agree with the person who is unjustly treating them this way. Mm. They're going to diminish themselves. Yeah. 
a hero is going to say, hey, let me, in, in all kindness and respect, take a stand here and say, say that what you're, do, what you're saying, what you're doing is actually wrong. Yeah. That's a heroic move. So even people who are in victim states who rise up against their oppressor, yeah. oppressors move into heroic energy when they wow. do that. And, and in the process, transform into better versions of themselves. So if you think about it, victims at the end of the movie are rescued. They literally put a blanket around them. They sit on the bumper of an ambulance and they, they literally just exist to make the hero look good. That's the only point of the victim in the whole movie. <laughs> totally. Um, the villain is hauled off to prison uh -huh. or killed. Uh -huh. uh, the hero is given some sort of reward and the guide is the one who is respected, you know, Gandalf and sure. Yoda and Mr. Miyagi, the one who is in Mary Poppins. Yeah. The, one, the, the guide is the one who is, has actually sacrificed their life uh -huh. to help the hero transform. So if you want to be a guide, you just have to live for like a hero for a long time. Wow. And the, the progression happens naturally. Yeah. But the whole point of that chapter is just to say, all you have to do is be self-aware. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can't judge yourself. Okay. Because if you actually say, you're doing that thing where you're a whiny little bitch yeah. and you're acting like a victim and blah, blah, blah. Listen to that conversation that you're having with yourself. Right. What is it? Right. It's the villain inside you belittling the victim inside you. Yep. yep. Two people who should not have a microphone at all. Wow. And it's the just, it's, the victim. it's a senseless conversation. So what we need to do is say, hey, you're doing that thing where you act like a victim again. Um, what would a hero do in a situation like this? And so my, my question is, okay, I mean, th this is, this is gold. What would the hero do? What, what, what are some things that, that a, that a person that is like, oh, oh crap, I'm shit. Here's the vic. I'm, I'm, I feel the victim coming up. I feel the victim coming up. What, what are some applicable things that somebody could be like, okay, I'm going to be here for me. You don't judge yourself. Cause that's going to be okay. senseless and useless. And it's going to serve no purpose. Yeah. Sometimes you victim and villain energy are both coping mechanisms. Something Absolutely. is, something is really painful. <clears throat> and so there are times when, uh, you know, it's really funny, you know, here I've, I've written this book about how to be the hero and how to have an objective. <laughs> It's been it, for 10 years, I've really not woken up for a single day with the remote temptation that life was meaningless because it feels so meaningful. Yeah. But here I am, you know, less than a month away, three weeks, I think, away from releasing this yeah. book. We put my dog down. <laughs> yeah. And I wake up the next day and I go, the book is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> It's over. Life is meaningless. <laughs> and so I think there are times when you just actually have to say, hey, we're going to give it a couple days yeah, yeah. and you're going to feel this and it's going to hurt yeah. and you have a lot of compassion. You know, now three or four days in, I say to myself, you know, what a sweet thing to have had such a, true, a faithful companion. What a, yeah. what a great thing that she taught me to be at least a little bit selfless enough that I could be healthy enough to get married. Yeah. And I hope that I see her again. Yeah. But a hero responds to this with courage. Yeah. A hero says, yes, life is temporary. Yes, we lose the ones we love. Yes, it's extremely painful. But I'm going to have the courage yeah. to stand up every day and say, there's something in this world, there's something happening that is really beautiful. Yeah. And I'm going to boldly contribute to that beauty. And, uh, and I, so that's the sort of self-awareness yeah. we need to have. Well, and courage so that's the word that really collaborates with hero. They are, they are, they do, they are not, not afraid. Right. But in fact, heroes, if you watch your favorite movie, they're ill-equipped, they're uh -huh. afraid, they don't know how to get the job done. They're in desperate need of help and they're unwilling to take action. <laughs> <laughs> heroes are actually the second weakest character in the story. The victim is the only one who is weaker. Wow. The only difference is the hero actually gets up yeah. and puts a little something on the plot. How have you seen, not maybe just not even in your life, but how have you seen the principles of what you're teaching in this book uh, um, affect other people's lives? Well, you know, I just talked to a guy uh, yesterday, he, you know, uh, a new friend. He's a young guy. Yeah. He's like 20 years old, lost 200 pounds and became a, a professional or a competitive uh, bodybuilder not, wow. not bodybuilder uh he does squats power lifter yeah 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 and his name is chris no cool self-tanning no self-tanning no, 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 he's, he's actually the real guy doing the muscle <laughs> um you know and he just he said the dominant shift was he he started seeing that seeing himself as a victim 
was costing him everything. Huh. And that was the big, that was also the big paradigm shift for me huh. 20 years ago. You know, I was 387 pounds. I'm 210 now. Yep. So by no means am I done. Um, but, I, you know, I just remember realizing this will be funny for your audience because if it's 79% women, <laughs> I just remember looking in the mirror and realizing that women weren't attracted to victims. <laughs> <laughs> And overnight, somehow the power of biology Look said, oh, I've been trying to attract a, a woman, perhaps the nursing type, by yeah. being the poor guy to rescue. And it turns out they don't want that. For some reason, overnight, I stopped seeing myself as a victim Look, because it's like, this ain't going to work, buddy. <laughs> and I think that's, a, that's the power of actually, you know, that level of self-awareness. You yeah. can just realize you're actually doing this to try to get what you want. Yeah. And it's not working. Yeah. So what if you actually, somebody sat down and said, okay, well, here's how to get what you want. Yeah. Stop acting like a victim. Stop acting like a villain. Yeah. And begin to go on the hero's journey and slowly transform yeah. into the person that, uh, whose skin you can be comfortable mm. in. Is, is this something that is also applicable and helpful as we navigate others in our lives? As we navigate other relationships that we have, as we navigate home, you know what? I, I read Don's book and, you know, I'm, yes, all of these four things are in me, but that means it's also, they're also, yeah, it's in, also everybody, in everybody else. In everybody else. And so what I feel like, well, just right away is I'm like, man, like this is actually really helpful. You know, even, even parenting, even like, oh no, that, that, that's the, that's the victim coming out in whatever episode I'm seeing in my children. Or, you know, even, you know, if I look back at the election of, yeah, of yeah, 2020 yeah. and I look up, oh, nope, there's a politician that is definitely, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I mean, we, we can acting see like the, the villain, acting yeah. like the villain. And there's probably trauma that's bringing that out of them. And then I, you know, you look at, so this is something that can be helpful even as you look at other relationships. hundred percent. It can yeah. also be really hurtful mm, because, yeah. you know, once you realize that that person is acting like a victim, you might be tempted to say things like, stop acting like such a little bitch. <laughs> at, at which point you have become a villain. So, so you are, you know, so it's it's best used yeah. uh, really just to think about yourself. yourself. And, yeah. and, you know, at the same time, I will say this, somebody who sees themselves as a hero and humbly wants to accept the challenge before them and transform mm. um, may no longer be compatible with somebody who sees themselves yeah, as a victim because sure. they're, you know, misery loves company. Yeah. So that's, you know, I would say, yes, it can be extremely helpful, uh, but probably only helpful to the degree that you can help somebody else have self-awareness. Yeah. Um, but if they're not going to have that self-awareness, you know, they're, I don't yeah. believe that they are your responsibility. Yeah. The, um, you, you've, you've been, and I've, I've watched, I mean, I've, I've loved being your friend because I, I've, I've watched this, I mean, I've just watched you live and I've watched you become different things and, you know, chase different things and, and, and watch your business, you know, um, become successful and then watch you help other companies do, um, do what you're really good at. And then this, this feels like this is, this isn't for necessarily a company, it's no. for an individual. It's for individuals. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've written three or four business books in a row and mm -hmm. we'll write another, have another business book out next year. Yeah. This book, um, when I discovered Victor Frankl's work yeah. and it just saved my life, yeah. certainly saved the quality of my life. Sure. I don't think I would have committed suicide, Carlos, Yeah, but I certainly would have lived wanting to yeah. were mm. it not for Victor Frankl. Wow. And it was so meaningful to me. It was 10 or 12 years ago. I remember exactly where I was uh, in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And I took a walk and I said, God, I really want to take a million people through logotherapy. Yeah. Victor Frankl's design yeah. Yeah. which which by the way was created for teens in vienna huh. to tackle the suicide problem they were they were uh, committing suicide in in record numbers right around the time grades came out wow so he developed logotherapy and put them into small groups within the, uh -huh. the hospital system there and and uh while they were going through that not a single teen committed suicide wow and so i just thought this is it's so practical yeah. and so easy and yeah. so like 
you know, non-controversial and there's no pharmaceuticals involved. It's nice. <laughs> and I said, I want to take a million people through this. And um, so I started a little conference called Storyline. We took 10,000 people through it. And it has just bothered me for 10 years that yeah. there's still 990,000 people to go. And, um, and so, but I've just never been able to sit down. Victor Frankel was incredibly clinical. Yeah. He never... He never sat down and and he said, "Here's a practical application. If you just, you know, do this for 15 minutes in the morning, you'll sure. be in logotherapy." But it took me 10 years to be able to uh, figure out how to write it down in such a way people maybe could understand it. Yeah. Um, when you read the book, you will think, "Really, it took you 10 years?" But it's actually a lot more challenged than you yeah. think because the there's an obvious question of well, what where do we get meaning and why is life meaningful? Yeah. And yet he never answers that question. And which is so crazy. I choose not to answer it either. Yeah, because so, you know, so many books that you would read on what you would assume would be this, I think that is what they're actually trying to answer. Well, let me ask you this and everybody listening if you studied the neuroscience, the actual brain chemistry of love, okay, which is essentially, you know, a mixture of dopamine and serotonin, uh, you know, seeping through your amygdala that's the chemical response sure and a lot of people and i happen to agree with them to some degree believe that when you meet somebody who has some of the negative characteristics of your primary caretakers from your childhood Mm. you fall in love with them but what it really is is you hoping that you can fix what you didn't get in childhood and redeem your relationship with your mother and father (laughs) wow so it has nothing to do with love (laughs) wow but listen if you understand the neuroscience of love and if you read a white paper on how it works, does it cause you to fall in love? Hmm. No. Right. It doesn't. Right. And so sitting in a church service on Sunday morning, studying theological meaning, does uh-huh. it give you a sense of rightness with God? No, it does not. Huh. In fact, I think it's one of the reasons Jesus says, follow me rather than figure me out. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, a, there's, a, there's truth to, and think about it. All the people who tried to do it, you know, Nietzsche, Kierkegaard, sure. they all ended up nihilists. <laughs> and to me, it's like, I don't think you're going to get anywhere trying to figure out where meaning comes from. In fact, what if there is no answer and it is only existential? Yeah. It is only experiential because meaning actually comes from a place that your brain will never figure out. Right. Right. And all you can do is feel it and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. And, and if you think about that, You're also saying, look, in order to experience a deep sense of meaning, you're going to have to give up the tendency for control and complete understanding and certainty. Yeah. You have to let that go. That's scary. It's scary, but it's also, isn't that faith? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it's like faith. It's like, you don't get to be God. You get to know God. Right. Right. And are you okay with that? Yeah. And I... To me, it's like, I don't, I don't see any other choice. Everything yeah. else is pretty miserable. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Familia, I love this partner here at Human Hope, and that partner is Chime. Chime is a no monthly fee debit card, okay? It's an award-winning app and debit card that has zero overdraft fees, foreign transaction fees, monthly fees, or service fees. That's right. If, if the word says fee, Chime ain't got it. With over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs at lots of locations like Walgreens, right? You got it. Everyone goes to Walgreens. 7-Eleven, go get your slushy and go get your money out. A CVS, you can access your money when you need it and where you need it. And you can also send money to anyone, even if they aren't on Chime. That is amazing. So make that first good decision in 2022 and join over 10 million people using Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and does not affect your credit score. That's good news. To get started, go to chime.com slash human hope. That's chime.com slash human hope. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bank Corp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Get fee-free transactions at any MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location and at any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Otherwise, out-of-network ATM withdrawals fees may apply. Sometimes pay anyone instant transfers can be delayed. The recipient must use a valid debit card or be a Chime member to claim funds. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. 
every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I'd, I'd love to um, uh, may, maybe maybe end with... Um, giving giving an exercise i and I, I love the whole eulogy exercise. i mean is that something that you could even walk us through for a minute or two like like i mean the people that are listening yeah, totally is- i mean really you know every morning i read my eulogy it's about 250 words okay um and it contains the three dominant stories that i want to live with my life from okay. here on out the first story is the story of my family and i call it the love story that I get to live with Betsy and Emmeline. And yep. hopefully we will add another child to this yeah. story. But it can't, the story can't just be Don was a loving father. Right. You know, if I invited you to a movie about a guy who wants to be a loving father, you'd be like, uh, but if I invited you to a movie and I said, look, another one of Liam Neeson's daughters has been kidnapped, Carlos. We got to go see what happened. You're Let's in, go. right? Let's go. It's got to be specific. And so okay. to me, the story of Goose Hill, this place that we've created. Yep. That's the story. Yeah. And my family involves themselves in this story. Yeah. The second story is my career story. Okay. And it's about building my company, Business Made Simple. We're at 15 million now. The the story is that we get to 30 million. Okay. And that we start um, at least one, but probably several Business Made Simple School for Entrepreneurs at X University. So this is very specific. Part it's of the ve- it has to be specific. Yep. yep. So right now Vanderbilt is teaching my marketing frameworks in their MBA I, program. I saw Kula like at a with a she went to Vanderbilt or something. She's, she's like, lecturing. I'm about, to, I'm about to lecture. Yeah. That's so so cool. she's so it's already being taught in the university system, but I want it all over. Okay. And so you know I've got to make moves on that and make that happen. Yeah. And then the third story is um, called Build the Middle Class. Okay. And it's a political movement that attempts to lobby Congress to pass legislation on eight specific issues, immigration reform, education reform, criminal justice reform, economic recovery, and so on and so on. And so if I've got to do all that by the time I die, I don't have a whole lot of room for anything else. Absolutely. So, you know, I have two meetings a week with a, 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 a big political advocacy firm in dc uh-huh. and we're we're building build the middle class okay by march we will have we have three pieces of legislation in the house right now that huh. will be complete comprehensive immigration reform wow we have five democratic senators who are willing to sign off on that uh-huh. and uh pretty soon you'll see common sense immigration reform.com wow uh you know those are the things that i want to so my advice would be mm. get really specific that's good really specific don't just want certain feelings want to run a marathon want to start a company want to pay off debt want to you know the more specific you can get and truly the more visual you can get the more narrative traction you're going to find yeah and what you're actually looking for is not waking up happy it's waking up interested right in what you've got going on and be willing to do some work to get it done we all want to seek comfort but there's no meaning in comfort it's the meaning is only an effort and work and and 
I, I like I like the fact that that you're saying when you wake up, um, there, there's got to be just such intention behind absolutely everything that you're doing. Like, That's right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, especially. Well, even, well I mean, intention. There's got to be um, premeditated purpose, right, behind it. Um, you know, if you said, Don, you know, do you and Betsy argue a lot? We actually don't. We, we probably have one argument a year. And and I don't think it's because we're a good couple or we're good people. I think it's because we're just too freaking busy. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have too, there's too much, <laughs> there's too much drama outside of our marriage for uh-huh. there to be drama inside. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what a story does for you. Yeah. It preoccupies your time and your interests with things that are meaningful and we all tend to, at rest, get ourselves into trouble. Sure. It's, no, <laughs> it, it is true. And, and you know, I mean, this is really quickly, this, I, I just, I started thinking about Betsy and I, and I, you know, knowing her and knowing her passions and her drive and her, and, you know, the things that she's interested in and passionate about. You're married. You're married to somebody else. You both decide. Okay, listen. This whole this whole idea of being here on a mission. We're both going to do that. Um, but we both have different desires. We both right. have you know different things. Um, how do you make sure that as you're doing this, that you know, and as you're reading your eulogy, that you are still having space to support your you yeah, know your, she's your got a, she's got to buy into all of it. So yeah. the family story about the retreat center. To be honest, if I'd never gotten married, my dream life would be a cabin on an island in the San Juans with a boat. <laughs> right. And very few people. Right. You know, that's that's it's the writer's life. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. Her dream scenario would be a a townhouse probably in New York City yep. or Paris or London. Yeah. Near a bakery where she can walk everywhere. Right. Neither of us got what we wanted. Right. But when we came together and said, what does what do what story would you and I want? Yes. Like if you and I were one person, yeah. what would that person want? And we just dreamed so up good. this idea and started building it. Gosh. And the resources came to us. As soon yeah. as we started talking about what we wanted to do, resources just started showing up. Yeah. I, I don't know if I don't I, I don't know if that's magical, but I'm telling you, resources just started showing yeah. up. Yeah. People are really interested in contributing to a cool story. Yeah. So that's so good. So we had to compromise on that. And then with the political stuff, you know, Betsy was just very clear before we got married. She just, she said to me, um, I will not be married to a workaholic. Yeah. I won't. And so I went from 70 times getting on an airplane a year to about 10. Huh. And those are the rules. If we're going (laughs) to, if we're going to petition the American people to, uh, fight the extremists in either party and yeah. create a middle ground we got to yeah. do it from the backyard right <laughs> that's the rule i love it and you know and we've been able to obey that and uh that's so good and it's been pretty good well and, and i love the idea of seeing you know again this isn't like marriage therapy podcast but i just the idea of you both had to sacrifice some things to come together to create something else that's right like you created something together yeah what um, is the what does the art want to do here yeah you know what is what do these two lives want to do yeah because you can also over control your life where sure. it takes all the mystery out of it and you just start pissing people off right right <laughs> but when you just go okay where's the flow going yeah you know yeah. and then you wake up and go i think it's going toward a retreat center where we'll have we'll probably have 350 overnight guests this year that's you know it's amazing. just it's it's it is it's incredible and uh and, but that's where the flow wanted to go. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's very interesting. That's, um, that's very hopeful to me. Uh, you know, and hopefully the listeners are, are getting a lot of hope from this. I, I love it. As you talk about goose hill, goose hill. Yeah. Um, you, you got that property. When, when did you buy that? Five years ago, five years ago. And, and Heather, I don't know if you remember this, Heather and the, and yep. the, the kids, we, we went out and we went out a like, fire. And, and lit a fire and put like a blanket down and some fold up chairs. And there's now a carriage house, right? Where they yes. lit that fire and to see just how you built it and all of these things and to watch the, you know, what I believe is a, um, is a, is a result of you living this way. Um, I mean, you, literally I've seen it. I've seen it. And so it, that's just super inspiring to me, man. Yeah. It's, it. it's, it's, it's inspiring to me too, because <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how we did it, except we just sat down and wrote down a piece of paper, a vision. Yeah. And then naturally you wake up every day and yeah, I call it putting something on the plot. Yeah. You just put something on the plot at the end of two years. You're like, I can't believe how far this has gone. So good. So tell me this as we end, does, uh, is, is this like a plan? Like, like, is there, you know, some people are like, yeah. So when you read the book, you'll go to here on a mission.com. Okay, yeah. You download okay, that's a PDF, you print it out, you three hole punch it, you put it in a binder. Yep. 
it's all free and the, and it's and you fill out these uh, one two three four five yep. six pages and by the time you're done you have a life plan and you are you have a defense mechanism against stuff uh, you don't want to do against meaninglessness yeah and a, and a sense of that life is futile yeah and uh, it's worked for me it's worked for more than 10 years and so and it's worked for thousands of others so good well thanks man I am so grateful for you in my life and uh, I'm excited for this project I'm grateful for to be on thank you for introducing yeah. me to your people absolutely how dare you Donald Miller do that to us how dare you set us in the exact right direction that we need to go uh, listen why don't you guys do me a favor Go follow Don on Instagram. Go buy his book, Hero on a Mission. I will have all of those things linked on my Instagram account, at Loswit. That's the first thing I want you to do. Second thing I want you to do is make sure that you're sharing these podcasts with as many people as possible. Somebody, Think about it right now. Who's somebody that you can send this to that really could use what Don told us, that could really be course corrected in 2022 to live a life filled with meaning? I know you can think of one person. Send it to them. Also, I would love for you guys to subscribe rate and review the show it really helps wherever you listen and subscribe to your podcast and if you've got any guests that you think are filled with hope email me carlos at carloswhitaker.com that is it that is all i got this week we will see you next thursday for another episode of human hope